Hey, and welcome to all the lovers out there. This is the How to Love a Human podcast, moderated by Dr. Candice Nicole Hargons. Follow and come chat it up some more with us on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Candice Nicole and on our website, drcandicenicole.com. You will find those links in our description box. Today, the How to Love a Human podcast welcomes F.D. Signifier to the space. So sit back and join us along this journey on how to love a human. Hey, everyone. Today on How to Love a Human, I am with F.D. Signifier. What up, F.D.? Uh, it's weird having you call me that. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to practice because I feel like I'm already going to slip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just have that edit button there. I will. Uh, what's, what's going on, ma'am? It's, it's good to be here. It's good to be on the other end of, of this type of conversation with you. Um, cause, cause to, to, to Doctor uh, Nicole, are you, are you Doctor Nicole? Dr. See, I got to get Nicole. you right too. It's not Doctor Hargens. It can be Candace. It can be whatever. Okay, <laughs> my well, we, full name it, is in the world. At this point. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm the one trying to live a double life. Right. Um, but you, 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 you've been on a couple of my uh, pieces of content, and another one coming up, um, in a month or two as well. Uh, so it's cool, kind of flipping the script and just being able to sit here and, and come off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just, I just to prepare. Not having to prepare, not having to think through how this is gonna <laughs> process, and you're doing this also for um research as well, correct? Yeah, this, yeah. yeah. So I, I saw IRB, I was like, I had a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're an academic expat. <laughs> I'm yes, not doing yes. it. <laughs> recovering academic, recovering right? Oh, that's the academic. term. Okay, cool. So I'm gonna start <laughs> with my non-researchy question first. Are you feeling human or human as fuck? Human AF. I guess I'm feeling human as fuck right now because okay. what would that be? For um, you? That means I am in a I am deep in a space of actualization mm. at the moment. Okay. I am deep in a process of that because I have recently, as you know, the YouTube game has been very beneficial to me and my family. And feel free to talk and, about it like that'll be. A part of the process. yeah 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 um so for those who uh are new to, to me um i am a youtube content creator and i make uh what are often called video essays which in the grand scheme of things is it feels like a uh academic journal paper with way less scrutiny and oversight it's exactly <laughs> what it feels like to but, me it feels yeah like... but it's <laughs> way it less like scrutiny and oversight every month <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Um, literally, at least I'm averaging about ten thousand words per per video, um, in the script, and that's not including interview segments in most of them. Um, and so uh, I've been very successful. I've been successful in a lane that black men in particular have been not visible in, um, which has been excellent, but also a lot of pressure because now I have to speak for all black men. Um, within that space. And then there's people that would like to use me as a, you know, a, uh, a battering ram against their, against insert particular wedge issue yeah. here. So I have yeah. to try to play, you know, be careful about how my voice is used and, you know, uh, 
where my words resonate versus where I want them to resonate. Was it like um, that when you did video one? Did you know this? Oh, this no. Was coming or is that the actual actualization process? So so that even that's just success. Okay, right? But video gotcha. video one was just like, oh, this is fun. I like doing this. And then like video three, I was like, yo, I'm pretty good at this. And then video seven was like, oh, shit, I'm about to be I'm about to be a star. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Oh shit, I got a hundred thousand, I got a million views off this. And people really think what I'm doing is good and is important. And now I need to like rethink everything I thought about this. Like it was supposed to be a hobby, a side hustle, you know. And so uh the actualization is in suddenly, like literally Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. That was bottom two were okay, like they were good, right? Yeah. I ain't I ain't really struggling for for Schultzer and whatever, but like they were always a thing I thought about um, while working. And then like now my job is uh, an elevated hobby and my life has changed. And so now I'm trying to think through, okay, like I'm thinking through partnering with my wife differently. Yeah. I'm thinking through fathering differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that started really with the pandemic. And I'm thinking through like the space I occupy um, differently because, you know, I, I was the introvert. <clears throat> And now I have nearly 50,000 Twitter followers, mm. you know what I'm saying? And so like that is, so I want to put out like spicy over the top hot takes, but like. You don't want to deal one with of the them. human connection right. that comes with them. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like it was fun when it was just y'all. Yeah. <laughs> when it was just my folks, it was like, yeah. And like, you know, now it's like, all right, so I'll put this out to the world because it's to the world now. It's the full you know, world. So, you know, it's, it's like a I, I, whole I, city worth of people. I went, I went viral uh, a week ago for uh, a hot take. I didn't even think was a good one. It was just like something about white kids saying N word, and suddenly it was everywhere. I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's I guess that's what's what's happening. So I, I will, I'll keep I'll keep you know uh, flipping the lever on mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Uh, the roulette machine, and hopefully it doesn't come back canceled anytime soon. <laughs> This is like, am I going to make a million dollars before I'm canceled? I know you don't necessarily endorse capitalism, but uh, that is. I endorse. (laughs) That's not capitalism. That's making money for your labor. Okay. Okay. okay, Capitalism is. Making money for my labor. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Capitalism is when I started getting big. The people that wanted to manage me saying I I was in a unique position to create a um a network with my channel and then Mm -hmm. other people could um you know other people would make videos under the fd signifier network and then i would just collect money off their work that would be capitalism for me saying you owe me this much money for talking about your product um and youtube you pay me this amount of money for people watching my videos and y'all ads that's my job. That's my there labor. Go. Okay. You know, okay. So. I like the distinction. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, you hear about the Jay-Z stuff going on? Listen, I'm trying to stay out of people's business while I run oh, my okay. own black business. What's going hey, on? That's He just said some head ass shit. Okay. And it's got all of the, the black leftists uh, in his ass this week. And, you know, because it's Jay-Z, other black folks who maybe him. don't. Yeah, they don't they want to defend him. And I get it because it's Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. But it's also like he said calling him a capitalist was like calling him the N-word. I'm like, 
Nigga, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't say that. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes. I'm like, uh-huh. I'm like, nigga, you, was, you brought Bitcoin to the hood. You Stop. Like, anyway, I know we all topic. We all okay, topic. okay, but this listen. ain't this ain't my shit. This your shit. I, I got a whole, I got a whole video uh, in, in the pocket just on just on how I felt about that. But. Okay, well let me let me ask you this. So, what are your most salient identities? And it could be whatever stands out to you. It can be race, class, gender. It can be nuanced aspects of that. Do you? So, father and partner, mm-hmm. right? In that order, or is it just a matrix? That's a matrix. Okay. Um, Because I don't think, I don't think those things should be separated. If you are still with your partner, if you're with Mm -hmm. the mother of your children, then like, I think looking at it as separate is probably not best practice. Okay. Um, And it's becoming more, and here's where like the actualization gets in. We talked about this earlier. It's becoming more like I've always referred to husband and wife. Like I've always referred to that, yeah. but I've idealized or conceptualized me and my wife's relationship as a partnership. Yes, yes. because we were we we were not like on some a real man does this, I do this, you do that. It was like yo. I got this skill tree. You got that skill tree. Let's put them together and see what happens. Yeah. But um, the YouTube stuff has put me in a position to be a more traditional patriarch in my household. Ah. How does that feel to you? Uh, it don't feel like nothing until I'm reminded of it. Ooh, okay. You know what I'm saying? For me. Like I, I think for other men, this would feel very different. But you, you know me, like patriarchy mm-hmm. ain't never did. Well, let me not let me not over overblow that. <laughs> the pursuit of performing and being like and, and embodying the role of patriarch. You didn't pursue been, patriarch as a valued not, identity. Right. Right. Like being a, a product of patriarchy, participating in patriarchy. That's something you can't avoid right. as a man. But like I never thought to myself, I want to have a wife who stays at home and I want to mm. be the breadwinner and I want people to look at me as the man of the house, yada, yada, yada. Like that was never a a serious um, value to me. Sometimes to the detriment of our relationship. Like there was times where I think uh, AJ, my wife would have preferred that I had a more traditional um, spirit around things. Um, And so now, now that that's genuinely the dynamic and I see the, um, but is it the logistic up. or the dynamic? Because those are different. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's the logistic. It's the sure. dynamic okay. um, more. That's that the logistics didn't matter because I've made more money than AJ at times. Mm-hmm. We had no kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like there's been clear times where my financial work or, or contribution has been more important to our relationship than hers. Yeah. Um, but since it had been a while since that, since that was the case. Um and so logistically, it, it you know, wasn't a big thing, but the dynamic since she's left her job has been interesting because she has, the biggest thing is how it's been beneficial to her. I think working the high pressure jobs that she has worked, you know, being, being very much a boss type lady, um, you know, and there's some, some, uh, there's some commentary maybe to be made about 
you know, like the black girl magic, strong black mm -hmm. women tropes that, yep. you know, I think a lot of black women are starting to unpack uh, as you like access it. You start to unpack like, man, I don't know about this. I think right. that's what she was going through. Yep. And suddenly she's in a position where she gets to let that go. And it's been very beneficial to her oh, Me God. mental health, her physical health. And so that makes me feel good. And then she's kind of thrown herself in just as a product of maybe her own like angst at this newness of yeah. being, you know, waking up every morning now to like feed the kids for breakfast. Like that wasn't something that she did before. Yeah. It was like, yeah. who going to do it this morning? Where now it's like, I'm doing it every morning. And so then I'm like, okay, how do I honor that mm. effectively? Yeah. Because I was having a conversation with one of my homeboys and I was like, I'm going to be real. I don't know any traditional patriarch dudes that are there that are either they're either bitter or they're tyrannical. Oh, like that's ew. that's my experience. And I'm sure there's brothers that are doing better, but most of the brothers I know that are in that like traditional bread wither winter space, they're either bitter because their humanity has been reduced to that patriarchal yeah. role. Yeah. And and then they're not even getting the 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 in their heads are not getting the full benefit of that role as whatever the, the ideal was that they had right. in mind yeah right it hasn't hit or they're tyrannical and saying i pay the bills thus you woman must be or must do blank yeah. like almost almost to almost every brother i know that's in that space where their wives don't work that's the dichotomy mm. and so like i'm kind of negotiating you know, I haven't felt either of those yeah. yet, you know what I'm saying? But it's something that I think about. And that's kind of what a lot of the actualization is about. It's about engaging with this gender performance that has, I've, I've discovered, you know, I didn't Does it come it. up with, so with this gender performance, does it come with empathy for why people are performing tyranny? Or does it come with disdain? Like I'm in this and you ain't never had to do that. Like where, where do you fall as you think about the options little, on the table for you? A little, a little bit of both. Yeah. To be say honest more. with you. Mm -hmm. A little bit of both. Cause like on some levels, you know, so like AJ is dope. Right. And like some of the brothers I know that are bitter low key. I'm like, man, you probably should be a little more tyrannical. Because, like, I, I feel like your partner isn't partnering with you oh, around okay. what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you are like, you know, because I'm empathetic to we've had this conversation uh, for years. I've had to refine the way I present it a lot. <laughs> but I'm empathetic to the compulsory nature of patriarchy of in mm -hmm. men. And I've always been frustrated, at least in the popular discourse around patriarchy as it pertains to men because people tend to leave out that compulsory element yep. that from an early age boys are weaned on this ideology that is uh explicitly damaging to our humanity and our mental health over the long run and so many things and but it's without, delicious it's it's, it's delicious like sugar <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's like it's sugar. Like sugar. Yes. It's not delicious it's per se, but tasty, but your body but craves it. Fuck you up along the way. Right. Yes. And so um and so like but even then after you've had it for long enough 
it's no longer fulfilling right. or so many things. And so the thing that has bothered me is by making it this like, you know, Bill Hook spoke about in, in um, The Will to Change that like there's a there's an absence when 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 academic feminist uh, scholarship is, you know, generally speaking, dominated by women and women's perspectives, a variety of perspectives, but still women's perspectives. And without asking certain questions about men's experiences within it, there's discourses that are underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. And so within the popular culture of that, there's a lot of women that I think don't understand what patriarchy is from this side of the equation because they assume rightfully understandably so they assume that it's it's not that it's steak and it's that it's a well-balanced meal right when it really is just very filling junk food mm. um and so i say all that to say when with some of the men i engage with men i'm close to who are struggling in a variety of ways with performing this traditional patriarchal role in their households. The cons- one consistent thing is that they don't feel understood by the women in their lives yeah. that they partner with. And they, they develop bitterness around that because it's like, yo, I don't like the way I am disconnected to my child from my children mm-hmm. because I'm so tired from work. Mm-hmm. I don't like the pressure uh, I'm under to maintain work, et cetera. I low key don't like that, you know. The house is always dirty, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you, or that you're not really cleaning. You know what I'm saying? Like if if that's the if that's the the the, the um contract we're operating with, then I need you to hold up your end of the equation. Yeah. Um, and and that's and that's a difficult conversation, you know. And you know the brothers that are not tyrannical in their spirits. They just want their wives to be happy. They they want their wives to to yeah. you know they want their children to be happy and taken care of, um, and then also pride. You know, do they buckle under when when they have to admit to their wives, look, I need you to work too, mm-hmm. and then we can share whatever. That is now you have to take off that that you have to take that that medallion off. Yep. Of patriarch, and so it's like, well, I guess I keep killing myself. Mm. It's like, or you could just swallow your pride, brother. Like, you know, because so, we don't gotta die. You don't gotta. You don't die gotta to die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? You don't gotta die to kick. <laughs> Listen, but on that from that piece that you were describing on the patriarch side, you said partner and parent, and so mm. what does that mean in your self actualization as a parent? Right now, for me in particular, this is a maybe a point of conflict between me and AJ because AJ is not doing the black mama trope, mm-hmm. which means I have to really do the black daddy trope. Mm, okay, <laughs> and I've Tell even, me, okay, and I, break it down what the tropes are. I think all right, so it, but yeah, so so the black mama trope is the no nonsense, a little bit of tough love, which I can uh, agree maybe is not uh, what we would want to do in our household. Um, you know, uh, just just to, you know, when, when black mama speak up, you straighten up, you know what I'm saying? Because you don't want your black mama to be mad at you. You know, your black mama go, whatever. This tropes for good or ill, you get my point. I do. AJ is leaning more into 
So we're both leaning into um gentle parenting, right? Yes, yes. And within that, free black children. Free black children, definitely. Now, within that, though, to me, there is still a space for them understanding, you know, no or you know, lack or that their options won't always be um uh you know innumerable and you know like resource resourceful like sometimes yeah. you don't have and you can't get um and so i have to balance that because sometimes i undermine her mm-hmm. and you know or even if i don't undermine her directly i undermine her in spirit okay. which she feels you know and sometimes but sometimes i feel unsupported because i'm like we need to create better barriers around like what our children expect to keep them from being spoiled from mm. being entitled you know it's not even about like toughness and resilience they've both shown that in 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 uh in droves it's more about um i want them to understand balances of work ethic and respecting limitations etc or working through limitations independently as opposed to always having someone to do it for them Mm. so how did you come um, to learn that i think it's just a difference in i think it's just I guess the question I'm asking, let me clarify, is did you learn that because it was taught to you or did you learn that because it wasn't? Oh, that's some good shit. (laughs) Because there are lessons for me. There are lessons for me that I am learning because they were not taught to me. And I'm like, dang, okay, that's why that happened or that's how that happened. And some things, you know, they were taught and they stuck and they and I get to pass them on wholesale. Yeah, I think I think. Some of it is stuff I was. I think a lot of us are reflections of things we we can identify or maybe even don't understand. We're missing from our own yep. upbringings. Absolutely. And so, like for me, what I feel like I lacked was the effective support that I needed as a kid. Mm. Um, I didn't need. I didn't get tough love because I was I was talented, and so yep. because I was talented. Um, I was kind of left alone yep. because I had much more troublesome siblings and I really could have used a little bit more enrichment and support to push me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But instead, you know, I was like, eh, it'll be good enough. And that's kind of how I've retreated work my whole life. Like, look, you're going to take this work. <laughs> I bet you it was better than, than it's the better than person. 80% of y'all. So it's better than 80% fine, of y'all. So look, you're going to take it. Right. It's not my best. You know what I'm saying? And so like my best maybe could have, you know, well, I'm happy where I'm landed now at 40, yeah. but maybe. But are you, you operating know, in your best now in a way that you haven't been before? I am. I'm mm-hmm. I'm working much harder now because I'm truly inspired. Yeah. Versus yeah. learning how to at least produce a higher ethic of work or higher quality work just based on an ethical obligation that I learned or was taught. And so I'm trying to teach that to them. Um, The oldest, he's got it, Mm, right? Okay. The youngest is more like me. And he's also way more um, uh, rebellious and, and, you know, resistant to, to redirection, you know, and so like, 
it's it's tough. Like the oldest needs so much support, but he also is intrinsically motivated. Mm. The youngest can do whatever he wants pretty much by himself without effort. But if it's like something wrong with it or if it's half done, he's like, look, you're going to get this better than 80% of the next people, dad. Isn't that what you used to say? Like, how do you know this? Because I know you. Because I came they from know you. you. It's in my <laughs> DNA. It's, it's in your DNA. You're like, why are you me? <laughs> right. What is this? I, didn't I hide this from you? Yes. Or so you I, that little one started playing video games. And I'm like, I never let these little dudes play video games. Why is he so, why does he love this so much? Why is he good? <laughs> why is he so good? He's, good He's better already. than his older brother at all the games. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Listen, okay, that leads me into some other pieces. So there are identities that you didn't mention as you're thinking about mm. aspects of yourself that you didn't initially name, but still matter to who you are. Anything mm. that comes to mind, sometimes people think about their ability. I know we talked about that earlier, like cognitive ability, their age, weight, height, race, class, all of that stuff. Any so so one, one thing, well, I don't know if this works. You let me know. One thing I've been leaning into is like elder, mm-hmm. you know, generation, be, maybe um, generation. Yeah. OK, that works because we are getting old and, and you aging in a unique way as like older millennials yeah. because we we half of our adulthood has been online. Yeah. Most of us, some of us was like, I ain't doing that shit. And they never came, came through, but like, but most of us, half of our adulthood, at least we all fought for Facebook. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so having suddenly been thrusted into content creation and spending more time on Twitter where things skew younger and then being, um, engaged with and in many ways adopted by these this Gen Z uh soon to be gen alpha generation of youth. Mm. And so in this in generate this also connects to uh masculinity or manhood. That's another identity. The one of the things that, that has made me that has been a bit contributed to my success that I realized like as I grew is that for a lot of younger people having a productive um nurturing masculine presence was not something they they necessarily had Mm -hmm. um especially when you're talking about uh uh, a lot of queer youth yeah um you know so to have someone who was affirming to that identity that uh was well versed in well not well versed but like well versed enough Mm -hmm. to not force them to explain themselves too much to explain their humanity I think the intersection with blackness is especially profound here in that like black masculinity of a certain age. Right. Right. A black masculinity of a certain age is not overly, overly available to the youth right now who are rejecting the social norms and expectations that we have normalized for ourselves Mm -hmm. and that were definitely normalized for, you know, Gen X and older. Yeah. And so, you know, to, to for a kid to come up and say, I use uh, xenogender pronouns. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, it's like one is vamp self. Oh, and I'm okay. like, OK, sure. 
I'm gonna mm-hmm. like what, what? Why am I gonna fight you about like? Why just, would I just, fight you about your own? Why would I fight you about your own identification? Like, yeah, it's, it to me, it doesn't make any sense. But to others, especially you're skewing older, that's a existential crisis to them. Mm, yeah. And to me, I'm just like, no, these are youth. These are young people affirming, exploring, and defining self. And like, fuck, I wish I had the. <laughs> I'm jealous, vamp self. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But yo, took- this is that was a that was a a a premise I was sitting with the other day where it was like a lot of so a lot of cis het black men in our cohort of people really bought in wholesale to patriarchy was gonna be the way I made it out the mud, mm-hmm. or it was gonna be, you know, like heterosexism mm-hmm. is the benefit I have that counters Mm. blackness or like all of these things that they wrap themselves in and there's envy, which Mm. comes with for them fury towards queer Mm. youth or people who are gender expansive, who are like, how dare you transgress? Even women who are like, I'm Mm -hmm. not gonna adopt these same complimentary roles. Like how dare you transgress something that even though it was painful to me and violent toward me, I adopted because it was supposed to save me from something else. How do you Definitely. how do you not feel that envy? Like what was different about you that made you not feel like envy in a vile, ragey way? But like, I envy you. I also really love that for you. Yeah. Yeah. I guess for me. I I never bought in mm. at an early age. I immediately was critical of how patriarchy was thrust upon me oh, like okay. like the first time because i'm the type of i was the type of boy that would cry when i got angry yeah yeah right and so like and i wasn't and so like the irony is i learned to control my anger just to to stop crying mm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. and so like so like I would avoid, and that caused me to avoid conflict. Yep. That caused me to suck things up and internalize negative emotions because I knew if I started wanting to, um, you know, if I wanted to release those emotions or act upon that negativity, I would start crying and then that yeah. would cause social sanction. Yeah. And, and then, and then also like, I tell the story a lot. And I, God bless my cousin because she might be sick of hearing it at this point because I know she felt guilty. She came to talk to me about it like a year ago. Like, I didn't know I made you feel like that. Like, it's it's odd. Is you just part of my narrative now? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I had a cousin who was about a year, year and a half older than me. That was my favorite cousin because she was kind of a big nerd like I was. She was in a fantasy. She was into, you know, video games, et cetera. And she was the only cousin that got that energy, like that had that same, you meet me out that energy, you know, and, but she would hit me. (laughs) We would play fight. And early on, we would play fight. And she would hit me with like all of her strength, like, bow. And I'm like, (laughs) and I would curl up in a ball. Like you really she would was, be hurt and she didn't know. Yeah, I would hurt. really be injured. No, she knew, but she just thought it was okay because I was a boy. Oh, okay. And 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 then it was reinforced by the elders around me. Cause I would tell her mom, I would tell my aunties, I would tell my uncles, I would tell any adult around me, tell such and such to stop hitting me. She's 
bigger than me and it hurts. And I cry because I'm in pain. And my elders would mostly respond, you're a boy, suck that shit up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck you mean I'm a boy? Like, like this, and I literally at that, like probably, this is probably about seven or eight. I'm like, yo, this, I didn't have the words for it, but essentially I was like, this gender shit is some bullshit. <laughs> Because so, I'm not going to keep getting beat up out I'm here. Not gonna, I'm not going to keep getting beat up out here and have that be okay. What y'all mean? Because I'm a boy. This motherfucker is bigger than me. I've watched cartoons. That's called a bully. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and so that that probably started me at a critical with a critical eye towards gender um, tropes mm-hmm. at an early age now of course i still fell into stuff right i'm not gonna pat myself in the back too much but you know i was very critical of those tropes around how black men's bodies are viewed being an athlete being aggressive getting all the girls um hip-hop yep you know i appreciate and enjoy elements of it of course but like i never embodied it or like adopted it as a thing that was important to who I, how i saw myself mm. too tough and so when the time came to teach and i wanted to be a good teacher my goal was to meet children where they were yeah as much as possible and sometimes that was difficult cuz i had queer young queer male students who like i was uncomfortable you know, because I had still internalized enough, I was uncomfortable yeah. being as close to them as I probably needed to be because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't like, I didn't want to be perceived yeah. um, unhegemonically. And then once I got over that, I was like, you know what, this is really awesome bullshit. Oh, and then of course I started, you started getting into, you know, we I, we get into grad school, you know, I read a little, I, I get introduced to Hooks, I get yeah. a little Crenshaw, you know, I get a little Patricia you know, Hill old white man. Yeah, it's a full cold. Cold, yes. I'm like, okay, this is some bullshit. I knew I wasn't tripping. This she shouldn't have been hitting me. Damn it! And right. I called up. No, you know what I'm saying. Like so. <laughs> so I think it's the system is designed where I'm a glitch. Mm. You know, I can't tell you what it was specifically. Um, I think this that combination of like wanting to control my anger and like. Yeah disabusing myself of anger because maybe one day I punch my cousin in the face, you know what I'm saying? Or I hit her with something to even the score. And then like, like, although I'll be scolded, mm-hmm. like I'll also be rewarded for acting violently as a male, you know what I'm saying? Rewarded in that maybe my cousin no longer hits me, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's this, all it's, it's so many different, um, you know, permutations of how that manifests with mm-hmm. boys. And I just happened to have one that primed me for being critical of performing gender. Um, and, and also, I was also protected, uh, you know, because okay. my cousin beat up on my all my boy cousins, but some of them were from the South Side of Chicago. So they 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 stole on her. It wasn't uh-huh. nothing for them to hit a girl. You know what I'm saying? And they they and and that was the you know, like so there's there's a class element to it as well. Yeah. That I was protected enough as a boy that Would I didn't you say you fear. grew up middle class? Yeah, I grew up middle class. Um I was protected enough in my environment where I didn't fear what non-hegemonic masculinity perform masculine performance meant for me as much as some of my cousins or some of the boys I taught, you know 
who who had parents. My mother never did the thing. Go back out there and fight. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. a class. That's a class intersection. Yes, My mother knew going back out there and fight. You might not come back. Right. You, the police might come. You know what I'm saying? Whereas my aunties go back out there and fight was a requirement because you might have to fight every day. Forever. Whereas my mom knew you might not have to, you're not gonna have to fight that motherfucker again. It's mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> and that's the <laughs> you know, distinction so- that is really is a class distinction because it's like how often you have to engage in fistical fist combat in your daily life is right. a class function you might have all the other types of violence but middle right. class protects you in a lot of ways from daily physical violence yeah and that's why i try to be empathetic mm-hmm. to that around how i engage with discussions around masculinity because i know that me rejecting certain tropes around patriarchy yeah. is a product of the fact that those tropes were not as intrinsic to my survival. Oh, I was able to survive on wit, mm-hmm. on perspective, on you know thoughtfulness, mm-hmm. and other niggas had to survive, you know, on on their on their on their hands, yeah. on being smoke demons, you know, and mm-hmm. and making sure nobody knew not to fuck with them. And it's like yep. say, saying very haughtily that you should just disabuse yourself of that black man right it's and like i okay. get into this this is my critical back and forth with ramon because it's like why does that incite this type of like why is some the way somebody looks at you so triggering and he's like do you understand how i had to survive mm in the south side of Chicago. Like, dude, you don't get it. You you came from small town, western New York. <laughs> like, it's right, just not the right. same thing in your body, in your world. And he was like, so if somebody looks with three quarters of an eye, to me, that's like, they want to kill me. And he's like, my yeah, body's going to respond like that. And I was like, we, we always do this. And I'm like, you don't have to. That's not our life. And it's like, but yeah. it was my life for so long. Wait. Anymore, right? Exactly. It's the anymore. It's like anymore. It's and like, it's like it yeah, you too can't long for it not. You can't divest from that so easily. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You, it takes it takes a you know there was a, a, a one of the things. Shout out to a quick plug. I did the Will Smith video, um, about Bel Air. You should really, if you haven't, you should watch the new Bel Air. It's I so love good. it. Oh yeah, okay, it. yeah. I, yeah, I was, love I was it. Like, this is how Better you do a than, remake. That's the best remake I've ever seen. Yes, I hope they don't get canceled. I hope it comes back. Everybody's yeah. streaming stuff, getting killed, um, especially with him slapping people. Right. But but so that scene. But his, but his memoir told the story of how mm, that slap came to be. To me, <laughs> yes, yes, it did. It did. I touched on that in the video. Like you hear it through his honesty versus the character he's played this entire uh, time. Because he he's played the character of who you want Ramon to be, and he is the nigga that slapped Chris Rock on stage, <laughs> <laughs> and like you can only you can only juggle them dudes. And so that's much. why that's why when it came out, and me and Ramon were dying laughing about this, I was like, I already know where my husband's from, so it is what it is. I already mm-hmm. know that that's a possibility, right? Like if somebody right. says anything sleight of hand. I, I know that as a possibility and I'm going to yeah. just be there with the bail buddy. Like that's where I'm, that's the role <laughs> of a play. 
in that scenario, and that's okay. I, I, I don't say she'd have tackled me on the way to the stage. No, like man. you're not about to. You're not about to fuck up the bag now. Listen, you know I'm not what I'm saying? We will have a. In it. He's, but that's the thing. His bag's never going to be fucked. It's just that you can't be because you have true, so true. much. There's so much obscenely rich at that point. Yeah. Okay. Let me um, let me back but, up a bit. Go ahead. Well, the, the Bel Air, uh, that scene in Bel Air, this episode where his homeboy came from Philly. Yeah. Oof. To me, was so powerful. That hurt my feelings. Because I, you, I think most people took away just general jealousy, right? And it was jealousy to an extent, of course. But like he gave his homeboy the option to be closer and to enjoy the benefits of the reality he was in. And his homeboy rejected it, not because he didn't desire it, but because he understood that he was armored and primed to survive South Philly. Yeah. And if he spent too much time in West Hollywood or whatever, whatever, his South Philly armor was going to be compromised. Yeah. And that could mean death. Yes. That could literally mean death. And that's the thing, like death for black men is uh, a constant specter in a way that I don't think at least black men fully get like psychologically. Because mm. I've always talked about like, and you probably remember this from your teaching days. I don't know if it was like this for you, but I know it was like this for me and everywhere I taught. The girls always fought more than the boys at, at, mm. the, at the schools. They always fought more than the boys because you don't expect to die. Mm. You don't fear. I don't think those girls feared death when fighting. They didn't think somebody was going to come back and shoot them. Right. They didn't think somebody somebody was going to come back and shoot them. They didn't think they, they also knew that society would not allow them to go too far into violence. That somebody, essentially somebody's going to break it up. Stop fighting. Y'all are ladies. You know what I'm saying? Something like Mm. that. The boy fight, what happens? Let them fight. Everybody stand back. You know what I'm saying? Let 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 them let them work it out. This is how this is how men, you know, get their solve their problems until a nigga grab a brick and then it's or a burner. You know what I'm saying? And so, like every fight as a man is a every every physical altercation as a man, you have to go into it with the possibility that you might get killed, especially mm. as a black man, because I fear for my life. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It happens all the time. Motherfuckers go to jail, don't go to jail. You're still dead regardless. And you're dead. Because you, you, cause you got too loud at a traffic light. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And so a lot of men, a lot of black men learn to shrink themselves. Um, And then when you start to, when you start to, uh, that conflicts against like the way we feel we're supposed to behave and the way patriarchy mm. says that we're supposed to behave. And it becomes this, this turmoil of like, I shrunk myself. So somebody going to have to get this. Yeah. And, and I go back to uh, the great conversation between Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin um, about like, and, and that, that conversation, when I rewatched it recently, it frustrated me because I realized that I don't think Nikki fully got James from where, where James was coming from. Mm. Cause a lot of the conversation, the particular part about like the gender conflict. Um, because if you go back to that, that snippet, the part that often gets played is Nikki saying, lie to me. Yep. You lie to the man, you lie at work, 
you lie to the white man, come home and lie to me, lie to our children so we can have a, a whole family life. Mm. And James completely empathizes with that need and desire. But he also tells her, I don't think that's possible because the type of pain and suffering that I'm going through at work is is I can't just eat that and then come home and put on a smiling face. Mm -hmm. And Nikki's response was something along the lines of you're a man, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and I was like, no, Nikki, what are you saying? Oh, you know, they, they got to a better place like after right. that. But like when she said that, like now with the context of being a father mm. and being now a breadwinner, you know what I'm saying? Like I was like, ooh, nah, that's that, you know, you what you're asking him. And 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 James said this. You're basically asking, he said, I'm a human. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that leaves black and and so I don't think that's unsympathetic from, from Nikki's standpoint. Mm -hmm. Because she's saying, I, think, I don't want to be the receptacle. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I still don't want to be the receptacle of your, right. your rage. Like, like you going to handle that one way or another if I have to not be here while you rage <laughs> out, my nigga. Like, that's figure the thing. Figure it out. And yeah, it's figure like, that shit out. How do we hold that empathic space with each other to be like, I get yeah. why you would why you would want a space where you don't have to lie anymore today. Right, right. Let me and switch gears on that one, though, because yeah. the next question kind of gets into the intervention. What does love mean to you? I don't know. It's it's whatever every time I ask that question, people be like, "I don't even." Because, because love, the, the 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 it's it's weird. The closer I feel. To AJ, um, the the especially now as we've entered into a space where we've been blessed to shed certain worries about our finances and our kids' health and the and COVID, you know what I'm saying? The concept of love, as I've understood it, has become inadequate mm. and to describe like how I feel about my partner yeah. and how I feel about what my partner brings to me because I feel like it limits it to an emotional connection when it's become an extension of self. Mm, you okay. know what I'm saying? So it maybe becomes, if you were redefining it, if yeah. you got to define love on your terms, that might be a part of it. Yeah, it becomes a sense of a pr like profound um, appreciation mm -hmm. and deep connection with that person mm. um, where I think about regularly how grateful I am for the connection I have, for all the things that my partner brings to my life. And then I feel intensely driven to be worthy of that blessing, you know, mm. to like, to express it to her in the ways that she most feels it. You know what Is I'm saying? Is it a worthiness drive or, or a reciprocity drive? Like, did you feel I mean, reciprocity not is probably worthy better. at first? 
Uh, I don't. So there's there's some of that there. I think for a lot of men, mm-hmm. um, I think just the nature of. I don't know the, the nature of I think how we learn courtship and love and okay. and stuff like that. You want to like because men aren't taught that women are human. Yeah. So like we like have it. There's like an intrinsic belief that any woman that you know desires us is showing us mercy. You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's like there's like something there. You know, um, we don't understand that y'all be just as smitten and thirsty. Right. You know what I'm saying? We like that's not something we're taught because that's you know, unladylike or whatever. We think about like Bridgerton. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so like th- that's not part of our socialization. So there's some of that there, but it's also just like I think about just the yeah, it's reciprocity. Like, you know, this person adds so much to my life. Mm-hmm. I want to do the same. You know, I want to make sure I'm doing the same. Um, sometimes it comes to in conflict. You know, where that I think that's probably where me and Autumn have always been really good is that, you know, I have I've not always I've had a good habit that wasn't always useful, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is I've never part of that, like, you know, low key, toxic uh, gender equality ideology I had was like, I'm not going to baby or like coddle you because mm-hmm. you're upset as a woman. And so like on one end, that was not necessarily, uh, that didn't necessarily come from the best place, right? especially early in our relationships. But on the other hand, it required us to develop certain skills of communicating Uh, and discourse and unpacking stuff. You know, when I hear some of my peers talk about their fights now, I'm like, I don't sound healthy. Like nothing happened. Y'all didn't solve anything. She didn't apologize. She was all the way wrong. And you feel bitter about it. That's why you're talking to me. <laughs> like, this is a conversation you need to have with your woman, sir. Like, and so, but like, I think because, and so I think in some ways that has created trust between us. Yeah. That you can and fight so, well. Right. That like, when we fight, I am not going to try to cut her and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And when I get that urge to cut because I'm angry or I'm hurt or I'm embarrassed, um, then I I I have the language and also the um not just the language, but like the prior experience okay. to know that I can diffuse and deflate my ego and respond to this person who I love dearly with empathy to hopefully solve the problem that we're mm-hmm. dealing with right now, you know, as opposed to, you know, ah, gotcha right yep. there. You didn't see that one coming right in the ribs. Like it's now a what? game, you know, right. Like it's a game, mm-hmm. like it's a competition, you know? And so like that, that has been, so that is love to me is mm-hmm. the, the agreement that this person provides so much to my life that I am going to, um, try to reciprocate said value um, going forward and in, in perpetuity. And maybe will it, you know, one of my homeboys, uh, Haji and them, they, they would have like, they would do like, and not semi-annual evaluations or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was a really good idea. I don't know if they still do it. That was something we told you about. It. I think that's a really good thing. Like you sit back and you unpack and you, you evaluate and it sounds like work, 
but it's probably good to like good communicate work. and air, air things out, you know, as opposed to just having this like ephemeral mythological vision of undying love between two people that lasts forever. Right. Like, you know, always brushed up the other day. All of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it's all kinds of conditions. And one of us might die. Yeah. We got to get insurance. One of us will absolutely <laughs> die. And then the other one will die. Like those yeah. are realities. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So no, we gotta, we gotta put some, some, some administrative, uh, functions around is we got to have a business plan the business of being together mm-hmm. you know what would the world be like if it loved you oh man i'd be white <laughs> what, say what that would mean though like <laughs> it would mean it would mean um that i would be human before i was black and male mm. i would be personified by my uh explicit actions as opposed to my implicit identity Mm -hmm. um and so that would allow me to you know to take off certain protective gear around my personality and the way i present and the way i talk um the way i move um because i wouldn't fear stigma or outright violence (laughs) you know what i'm saying um it would also mean that that could be um extended to other people with uh their intersections of oppression Mm. um who feel very similarly one of the things that's been very beneficial to my like um understanding of like navigating masculinity as a black man has actually been talking to trans people yeah um because there's there's so much uh what's the word i'm looking for um correlation between uh that feeling of being personified outside that double consciousness it's a double consciousness essentially um you know where it's like you know, I present the world understands me through my just just through my explicit vis- visual reference. The world understands me as X. I feel like Y, mm. and I have to constantly navigate feeling and wanting to embody Y while being persistently perceived as X. Mm-hmm. And I, that's very true, obviously for trans people, but it's also very true for for black men and women. Um, you know, because we, you know, we live in a, you know, uh, white supremacist capitalist patriarchy that requires that we have that perception attached to us in order to function. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, I want that for everybody. I want everybody to be able to take off that armor of, uh, you know, categorization. Okay. You know, and lean into that would, self-definition, into self-definition and also just like, Self-determination, self-determination, you know, mm-hmm. both of them, both also the, the bears who want to support. Okay. Well, there you go. Who I, who <laughs> true, my true desires. Nuggets in. If the I world loved it real. you, they would go. If the world loved me, then the bears would win, you know, and I don't, I don't know if I'll feel love appropriately if I don't get to experience that before I die. Okay. I'm, I'm a haunt. I'm a haunt. That, I'm a Here's haunt hoping. What identities and others do you sometimes struggle to love? Mm. I struggle to love uh, brothers who are attached to misogyny. Mm. 
um that was something i had to unpack when making this last manosphere video yeah i saw that Be that i yeah. saw you really grappling with that and putting a price on <laughs> 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 what it would cost for you to have right. a conversation right. like a literal I like, price i was like that's actually a very smart idea i see i see right. that. yeah because it's it, it's frustrating i realized like you know i have my secondary trauma of work of remembering of breaking up fights between boys and girls um i have you know experiences of you know violence against women in my family i have my time working in anti-sex trafficking and i just have a and i just i just generally have never liked patriarchy because i know how it harms i have a uh i had the 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 privilege of understanding how it harms me from an early age yeah. and so when i see other men um participating in it wholesale and then use and then weaponizing it against black women who are so much more vulnerable in a variety of ways i get so angry they don't and i get so frustrated as vulnerable at all though like they at really oh, and i'm like, like why don't y'all we're invulnerable yeah it really really do i don't you know, get that i really don't even get it because like <laughs> what i don't get it either like it's not even just like with white patriarchy it's a matter of control well no it is it's it's this red pill shit personified with some men. Um, the red I have pill no shit idea is basically what that means, but yeah, it's basically a uh, a theoretical framework that explains that women have all the power in the world. Actually, um, based okay. on some that really twisted. That that's that's what it comes down to. Is that really women have all the power because they won't have sex with us? <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> I mean, that's what it basically comes down to. It's a zero-sum power game. Okay. It's, it's a zero-sum power game. Women get to decide who to have sex with and decide if they're going to have a baby or not and decide what we the have power too many, of the courts. Too much autonomy. Yeah, you know, too much autonomy. Like, when you, if you, and that's one of the reasons why I can't sit there and talk to these niggas. Because it's like, like, after, after, like, that means I have to engage seriously with that philosophical standpoint with some of them, you know? Um, yeah, so like do, do like that I struggle with that. Yeah. Because I, I see how I see the harm that does. And I also see how that makes those men so unhappy. So you know what sad I mean? M and miserable. Depressed. Miserable. And it's like, and it's then you can't tell them that, you know, even if you tell them nicely, which you should, like I I I don't I don't think you know, that's why I made the video less vitriolic because I was like, I'm not going to just sit here and browbeat and right. call these dudes lames and, and insults the whole video. Maybe a couple times. Just three quarters um, of the video. Three, No, a, a third at most. Um, <laughs> don't look at it like that. You get my <laughs> point, though. Like, like you, you know, I have you have to be empathetic. That that statement I put you in at the end, what I think is so key because these dudes are already really sad. They're yeah. already like they come back to this space. This is what daily looks like. Yeah, daily. Like we'll sit and like, like when you actually like. I, I watched somebody's response video or a piece of it the other day. Oh, their response said, videos I, are coming. Oh, it's so many. I'm releasing what? something on Friday. This the one dude's did a 12 hour response live chat. Oh, it's so good. I know it's you on side say 12 hours. 12 hours. 12 hours while he was on vacation he had time um, that's yeah, misery time. that's deep 
abiding misery on vacation. Yeah, yeah, on vacation. Um, he had like you know, but it's also community because like he started out for about an hour, an hour and a half, and then other men joined him on the panel to to talk about it, and like that's what so much of it is. Yeah. It's black men who have who lack community and belonging. But they all can collect together to say, fuck black women. We hate y'all. <laughs> y'all control the world. Yeah, y'all want to, you know, say like just shit like that. Um, and so like I was, but he so when you think about that content, it's not entertaining. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this dude, I was so offended, I almost like responded. Because the dude called what I he called my video a reaction. And I'm like, how dare you? My nigga, I had art direction. I had I had a script. I had scenes. I did so much. You are literally pausing my video to talk and react to it. That's a reaction. And so it's like, but people don't, when you're so, when all you need is other dudes who feel the misery that you feel, mm -hmm. you don't need to be entertained because you feel connection. You feel co-signed, you, know you feel validated. You feel validated. And like, what? what's what's entertainment next to that? Especially if that's something you don't feel from the world. Mm. And so, yeah, so like, that's not just misogyny, but that's how- Misogynoir. That's the key, yes, that's misogynoir, and that's the key ingredient. And so like, oh, I'll be struggling trying to like, be responsible with the voice I've developed. You know what I'm saying? Because I would just, I would be so happy being small. No, let me not say. Let me, let me, let me not front. Let me. <laughs> I will take on a responsibility. However, there is a there is a alternate universe where I'm much smaller, and I can just talk shit and be unbothered. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you know, what would so that's one thing. What do you imagine would happen if all of a sudden you just was like, you know what I'm gonna do? Talk shit for an hour. <laughs> well, one, I just personally would feel derelict of duty. I just, okay. I don't like, I, I don't want to be a bully. Mm -hmm. I'm sensitive to that. I think that's another thing that informs that is I'm sensitive to the concept of bullying. Okay. And so it's like, I have, like I said, I have 50,000 Twitter followers, 350,000 subscribers. If I say, Hey, everybody fuck this person, like enough people are going to rock with me to go fuck that, you know, yeah. to go like make ruin that person's day. Yeah. Um, so that's number one is that like I, I just generally my innate morality won't allow that because I'm a victim of bullying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and some some of the worst bullies are also victims of bullying. Yeah. But some of the biggest defenders of the bullied are also victims of bullying. And that's kind of where I landed. So there's that. And there's also just I think that would also just be bad business. You know, I've yeah. gotten to where I've gotten before you know i've gotten to where i've gotten avoiding that like yeah. that's easy and i've and i've and it's low-key there's a little ego attached mm -hmm. like i'm like i'm so good at this i don't need to be dramatic and vitriolic yeah. to get attention and views i have done something you know i i'm hesitant to say it but it is the truth i've done something nobody's done in my field yeah as a black man doing political commentary from a uh intersectional feminist yeah. progressive leftist standpoint and been successful right and ha and gotten clout and like notoriety whatever like nope there's no other and dude. you've been paid I what you value for your time right right nobody's been doing that nobody's mm -hmm. gotten to this point and i did it without 
call out videos mm. and drama and talking about Trump, you know what I'm saying? By just exploring my ideas and sharing them with people, I've been able to do that. Um, by, you know, did Holt out two and a half hours talking about Kanye with, and then ended each of them with like, man, but it's also sad what Kanye is going through, isn't yeah. it? You know, like not being just, look at this crazy nigga, you know what I'm saying? Like, so like, I'm not about to break that for y'all for yeah. <laughs> or for anybody, you know what I'm saying? Well, that like, gets into good about that. that gets into maybe my last question, which is, what do you love most about you? Oh wow! These days, I love a lot of things. Nice. Um, I, what, I've really. When did you notice the pivot? Like when it was like. Um, I noticed the pivot after a breakdown with uh, my youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, you know, offline or whatever, but like my youngest went dark in COVID, like did not respond well to it at all. Did not, you know, was missed out on uh, half a pre-K and kindergarten, spent kindergarten in front of a screen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, the oldest had, had memories of, friends and school and outside whatever and the youngest you know when you at that age your memory resets every like yeah. six months yeah you know what i'm saying and so um specifically though i think one of the biggest triggers was when we were doing homeschool i sat with my oldest every day because he dealing with adhd and he needed direct support the whole time and he, he and the youngest didn't need as much and he sat and watched daddy always go to big brother and never spend time with me. And so like at a certain point, he just went dark on us, just like while and now I was like, well, where did this come from? This is our sweet, nice boy. He was like, not anymore, dad. And so um, my initial response was, you know, you know, the, the cultural, the classic like energy that I remember and was used on, unruly and, and undisciplined mm-hmm, kids mm-hmm. when when I was a child, you know, tough love. I'm gonna spank you. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna send you in your room. You know what I'm saying? Nope, nope. You know, you want to hit me, I'm, I'm gonna pop your bottom and I'm mm-hmm. gonna send you over there. Like just stuff like that. And it was not working. You know what I'm saying? It was not working. Um and so long story short, the process of, of unpacking that um forced me to also unpack other things. And forced me into a different state of of uh, humanity towards other people's, you know, struggles, mm-hmm. things I've preached. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, doing it with a child, your child, I think just ups the ante. Children, you know, because a master it, class. Yeah, because it was there was fear attached to it. Like, what if he does this in 10 years yes. when he's 15, 16? You know, do we are we in danger? Or is he a danger to himself? Mm-hmm. Is he a danger to society? Or is he not a danger, but he flips out one time and gets shot by the police? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. so much fear involved in like trying to address this need of this like child who is just responding relatively normally to like a worldwide catastrophe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and so basically I was just really proud of like the outcome there. Um, I was proud of my ability to redirect my own 
uh, you know, internal conflicts around that. And then that kind of filled me with confidence to, you know, do other things in my, yeah. in my partnership with AJ um, and to like be creative, you, you yeah. know what I'm saying? You know, I've always, I've always tried to be creative yeah, and never follow through with it too tough. And, and then when that was awarded that, like, it was like, oh man, now I get to divest from normal work and be full-time indulgent in things that bring me explicit joy. Yeah. Um, and so I guess I think what I love the most right now is how I think, because <laughs> I, I I always, and part of this is what I love maybe is that I never, I try to be very careful, but I think the way I'm handling my success okay, and the way like low key, I'm spending way more money than I need to on other people that need it. Um, supporting not just creators, but like random members of the family, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, financially, uh, I am limiting my success based on ethical reasons, mm-hmm. um, where I could be making a lot more money, but like I am trying to live my ethics yeah, and that feels good. Nice. You know, it feels good that I'm being rewarded for the type of lessons that I was taught by my elders and by my community, because, you know, that doesn't always, you're not guaranteed that, you know, Mm -hmm. in fact, you're, you're often given the opposite. That's where that bitterness comes from. But like being able to embody that is truly uh, rewarding. And so I love that. I feel like I'm honoring that blessing right now. Like I, I, that's what I love. And that is how to love a human. Thank you so much (laughs) for taking the time. Anything you want to plug or name before we wrap up? Um, Yeah, so uh, FD Signifier on YouTube, as well as Twitter and Instagram. Um, and kind of TikTok, but not really, but maybe in the future. I don't know. TikTok. Is I'm just awful. really not trying to go to TikTok. Everybody keeps don't. saying, no, you need to go. And I'm like, I can't even fathom it. It, it will suck up your time because it's like it's scary how it knows exactly the thing that makes you makes you want to keep scrolling to find more of it. Uh, but from from a creator standpoint, it's completely a, a shitty deal. Okay. Um. So I, I'm like, I'm not even. I think it's about content I make. I'm not even gonna bother. What's with your it. favorite video? Like, if people had to start with one, not the one that want, got the most press, but the one that's like this. Right. This was me in my bag. So, I think the I think the two videos that most um express my ethos as a person, as a creator, are the Will Smith video mm-hmm. and the Baby Boy video. Okay. Um, and then I think, like, my In My Bag video, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I'm in my bag a lot. Like, I don't know which one is most entertaining. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, like, the, the, the Baby Boy video only got, like, 70,000 views. Like, people haven't watched it. But I was wow. like, that's me, though. Um, but the, the video that I think probably the most impressive i don't know maybe the first manosphere video is uh where i really like video essayed my ass off okay. in that one um but it's, it's hard to say maybe the second 
Okay. Um, but also, uh, I got a Lauren Hill retrospective in a couple of weeks, probably. Oh, ma'am, it's been so, it's been an emotional trip re-listening to, because I've avoided Lauren Hill for years because it hurt so bad. Yeah. No, no pun intended. How does it feel? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and so like revisiting her story has been like really profound. Mm. So I'm enjoying writing this in a way I haven't enjoyed writing anything in some time. Um, she was only 21 when she made Miseducation. She what? was 21. Right. I and did like somebody not know said that. on Twitter, yeah. We were not somebody, that far in age. You, no, not, no, not at all. Um, and somebody said she couldn't have been the same 21 I was. <laughs> it's, it's like, like. Like no, the, the I feel way like that, 21 is a great creative age, though. Like some of the things I wrote at 21, I'm like, oh, wow. I, so I get I it. Didn't do shit, but I didn't do shit special at 21. <laughs> I played no, some good video games. Listen, how about <laughs> this, though? Before we wrap, wrap. I'm going to end the video and then I'm going to ask you this question. <laughs> Y'all okay. take care. <laughs>